0: Hello and welcome to The Hardy Report. I'm your host, Edward Hardy, and for today's interview, I'm joined by JT Lewis, who's running for State Senate in Connecticut. JT Lewis, thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: For those that might not have heard about your campaign and the reason that you've decided to not just run for office but challenge this particular representative, could you explain why and what led you to this decision?
1: Sure. So uh, as some of your viewers might know, um, in 2012, we had the shooting here in Connecticut, Sandy Oak Elementary School shooting, and I lost my brother and 26 people were killed in that shooting, including 20 first graders. And, you know, I lost my brother in that shooting. And uh, about a year and a half later, my mom uh, started a program called the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. It's a social emotional learning program uh, in schools, curriculum. And she brought it Uh, She she had this this whole idea ready to go, ready to uh, promote in in schools, and we figured we'd start in Connecticut schools, you know, a a state that just had a shooting, uh, such a tragic shooting on such a large scale, and we made a call to our state senator uh, as a family, and he never returned that call. You know, we had a mom who had just lost a son in a a shooting, had a program she believed and, and we know would prevent future shootings, and the senator never returned our call. So here I am about four years later, uh, old enough to run. I've had experience on a national level fighting for school safety with, you know, former President Obama and and current President Trump and uh, a a wide variety of Democrats and Republicans uh, on a national level. And I'm ready to take that experience and uh, use it to uh, fight in Connecticut to make my state better.
0: Since announcing your campaign, have you heard from the state senator that didn't return your calls Back then, has he explained why he never returned your call and apologized for that? Or has he remained silent on the issue?
1: I don't want my whole campaign to be a, a fight between me and Tony. That's not what this is about. This is about bringing strong leadership to Connecticut, which is uh, it's very lacking in that area. Um, but no, I have not heard from uh, Senator Wong uh, after I announced my campaign.
0: I know it might be a little painful to discuss, but after the shooting in Sandy Hook, there were those who sought to smear, lie about the victims and their families. You were very young when the shooting took place. How did you cope with such attacks? How did you respond to that?
1: Yeah, so I was 12 years old uh, when the shooting happened. And there there were many attacks uh, by conspiracy theorists who believed that it, that it never happened, um, just a lot of crazy people out there. And, you know, for me, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, tough situations in my life, starting with, you know, being raised by a single mom, who, by the way, did a great job, uh, and, you know, losing a brother at such a young age. And you know, it, it did harden me, uh, these, these attacks, and it made me a stronger person today. And I think that's one of my qualifications, honestly, is having gone through my life since I was 12 years old with people attacking me from both sides of the aisle claiming that my brother never existed, that I'm a crisis actor. And I think that that really does make me a stronger person today, but it it doesn't phase me. And at at this point, you know, putting my name out there, putting myself out there, uh, running for state senate and fighting for school safety on a national level with a president who doesn't have, you know, a huge amount of love coming towards him, uh, I have put myself out there and I have been attacked for it. And uh, it, it has made me a stronger person.
0: As you touched on there, you're a Republican, you're running as a Republican. After Sandy Hook, Barack Obama attempted to push for stricter gun control laws, but was thwarted by the Republican-controlled Congress. Why do you believe that the GOP has been unwilling to support small increases in gun control, and why do you take a different approach to school safety?
1: Well, I absolutely take a very different approach to it than both sides. Uh, you know, what's really interesting, uh, a very interesting story. Uh, my brother actually saved nine of his classmates, and this will come around. During the shooting, uh, the, the gunman entered his classroom, fired a few bullets, and the gun jammed, and Jesse yelled for his classmates to run, and nine did, and he saved nine of his classmates. This is all documented in an FBI report. Um, so Jesse was only six years old, and we shared that story with President Obama when he met with us after the shooting, and then years later, we shared that story with President Trump, and it made both men emotional. Two complete polar opposite men on opposite ends of the political spectrum made them both emotional. You know, President Obama cried. uh, President Trump actually brought us back to the Oval Office for a private moment, you know, to thank us for Jesse's uh, heroism. And so I I noticed that that story could unite, you know, two totally opposite men. And as a state senator, I'm going to use that story to bring people to the table, both, both parties, to the table and, and hash out these, these big issues like gun control and school safety and mental health and, and get you know a consensus on that. Because right now, we all want the same thing. We all want kids safe in school and people safe in their communities. But we're coming at it from two different angles. And if we can just sit down and have an intermediary like me who has a foot in both aisle, you know, as the brother of a gun violence victim, but also running as a Republican, I think I can I'm in a very unique position to bring both sides of the, the aisle together and, and fight for these big issues. As far as me fighting for school safety after the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, there, there was no armed guard. And the shooter just shot out the glass doors and proceeded to kill kids. Now, we, we obviously need our schools to be uh, protected a little better than that. Uh, and as noble as the effort of gun control is, and, and it's an effort that I saw, you know, fire back up after Parkland. I saw those kids get up there and they they were as noble as it is fighting for dead classmates and friends and family. Uh, It it wasn't going to get done overnight. And that frustrated me. I wanted something. My motto really was I want to do something today that can stop the shooting tomorrow. And for me, that wasn't gun control, an effort that obviously does need to be focused on in the future. We need to do something now that we can all get behind because I'm tired of petty fighting while kids are dying in schools.
0: You touch on some of the elements of school safety that you want to have implemented. Are there any elements of gun control that you think would be beneficial as someone who's worked on this issue for a long time? Have you seen any elements of gun control that you think should be brought in? For example, maybe increased background checks or assault rifles?
1: Of course, yeah. No, absolutely. Background checks. These are obvious things, very common sense. Uh, things that, as a state senator, I'm going to bring people to the table to, to discuss and, and find the best ways to implement these different uh, ideas. And, and I am running as a Republican, but I'm a new wave of Republican. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I don't hold those same values that our older generation of Republicans hold. Uh, and I am a Second Amendment supporter, of course. But it is time uh, to, to really examine our laws and find better ways. And background checks are, are supported by 90% of Americans. It's, it is something that we're going to have to we're going to have to look at.
0: Do you think that one of the issues in the aftermath of mass shootings is the coverage that the media gives them plastering shooters' names and photos across the news for hours, days, or weeks, in a way, creating a celebrity of sorts of the individuals who perpetrated these acts?
1: Yeah, no, there's been a lot of research into copycat shooters, as they're called, uh, and, and it has happened very often, and this is something that I've actually talked with a lot of media uh, personalities about. <clears throat> and that is, uh, it's called a no notoriety campaign. And what that is is, is after a shooting, we want to put the the names and the faces and the actions of the the heroes of the shooting, such as my brother and others who saved people or, or who lost their lives, and put their story out there instead of the shooter, because it has been proven that when you put the shooter's name and face out there, it does create copycat shooters. And that's uh, evident uh, in Parkland. That shooter used uh, previous shootings. Uh, he wanted his, his name and face out there, and he made these videos uh, saying that he wanted to be famous and that he was going to make himself famous. And so that, that is a huge issue that we're going to have to push for. And it is, you have to be very careful because in America we have you know, the First Amendment. Our, our media is allowed to say whatever they want. They're allowed to, to talk about whatever they want. And so that, that is a very sensitive issue, but one we do need to come together and, and uh, focus on.
0: You're running as a Republican in Connecticut, which is a deep blue state. You're obviously very young. You talk about being a new wave of Republican. One of the reasons for the impasse and delay in getting things done, not just on the issue of gun control, but in policies in general, has been that both sides don't want to work together because of their entrenched traditional views. How would you as this new wave Republicans seek to bridge that divide and what experience would you bring from your life so far to do that?
1: Yeah, so obviously I'm in a very deep blue state and, and most likely when I'm elected, I'll have a majority Democrat uh, Senate, state Senate to work with. And so obviously I'm going to have to work with other people and I'm going to have to make those relationships across the aisle. But like I've said, I have worked with two administrations, the Trump and the Obama administration and White Houses, in an attempt to, to fight for school safety and to fight for mental health reform. And so I think I'm going to be able to take that experience. And, and not only the presidents, but I have fought with senators on the legislation, very bipartisan legislation called the Stop School Violence Act. We actually had some meetings with senators to get that pushed uh, just before it was passed. And so that was a very big deal. And that was very bipartisan. It, it allowed funding for all governors across the country. Democrat, Republican doesn't matter to me as far as school safety goes. Uh, and so I'm going to use that experience uh, in, in my state. And of course, I, like I said, I'm not, you know, entrenched in the Republican Party so much that, you know, I'm not going to die for my party. You know, I, I absolutely have these long held beliefs uh, that that very well fit the Republican Party and the conservative values. But I'm going to have to reach across the aisle and work with my Democrat counterparts. And that's something that I have already showed, you know, experience doing. And so I'm ready to do that as a Connecticut state
0: senator. You've talked about your interactions with President Obama and President Trump. You mentioned how when you told your story to them, they both got emotional hearing what happened, the heroic actions of your brother. What were the differences, do you think, between the two of them? Did you find them both similarly understanding and willing to do something? Did you find that both of them felt they were in some way helpless to tackle the issue of gun violence in America or had ideas? What was your experience of those meetings with them?
1: As far as the the first meeting with Obama, President Obama, that was just days after the shooting. He actually came to Newtown. <clears throat> and met with every single family. He went family to family. Twenty six different families gathered in a high school, and uh, it took hours. And he met with all of us and hugged us and shared memories with our lost loved ones. Uh, and and we didn't you know talk policy exactly then, but later on, uh, he actually was very helpful getting my mom's program off the off the ground, providing contacts and uh, meetings at the White House. And so I'll always be very thankful to President Obama for that. <laughs> it's more than I can say my our uh, Republican state senator here in Connecticut. Uh, and, and President Trump actually included uh, ideas that my mom and I shared uh, at, at a uh, roundtable over the summer in his federal school safety report. Um, not perfect, though. It is a very good step in, in the direction of school safety efforts.
0: The federal school safety report that you just mentioned there, could you explain to those that might not have had the chance to read it some of the key recommendations that were made and some of the points that people believe from that would be beneficial in preventing these tragedies from taking place?
1: Sure. And it it is on the White House website, and I do recommend everyone goes, because a copy was sent out to every governor in the country. Uh, And... Basically, some of the main points, and I, I can tell you the main points that my mom and I had input in. My mom's program, the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement, is a social emotional learning program, uh, which is proven <clears throat> to prevent shootings like this from happening. And she, she, uh, the, the the core values of that program are in the report uh, because we we asked Secretary DeVos, our education secretary here, to include those. And as far as mine goes, I I talked about armed guards in schools and police presence in schools. Uh, because in Sandy Hook, there was no armed guard, and my brother was left as a sitting duck, essentially, to uh, a shooter who was able to gain access to a weapon, but there was no one to defend my brother in school. And so those are some of the big points in there. Uh, I know President Trump has talked about arming teachers, and it's something we actually did talk with him about, and I don't I don't support that, because of course teachers don't support that, and you need their support if you're going to do something as extreme as armed teachers. So that that is my stance on that. I'm asked that question a lot
0: you think that having trained armed guards is better than having teachers who are asked to do something that they don't necessarily feel as comfortable doing
1: right you, you need the majority consensus of teachers in order to start arming them and uh, for me when i look at it if we want to be bipartisan which is how i wanted to be in the beginning to get things done now that was police and very highly trained armed guards and i'll tell you what i've had conversations with politicians and media on both sides of the aisle And afterwards, they all tell me, you know, I'm going to make I'm going to call my my kid's school and and see if there's an armed guard and make sure that that school is protected. And so it is it's an idea that has a lot of support across the aisle.
0: From your experience, have you found that politicians have been willing to listen in large part? You've talked about obviously President Obama, President Trump. There are other senior politicians that have been willing to listen to you about the issue of gun violence. But beyond listening, have you found that a lot of politicians have been willing to act or have they had their hands tied in a way by the partisan nature of politics and the unwillingness of politicians to work together?
1: Yeah, I won't call out any politicians in particular, Mm. um, but it is obviously a huge problem here. Um, Our politicians do have their hands tied. They do have people to answer to. Uh, and as far as that goes, it is hard to get things done. But we we have been very successful as far as promoting my mom's program and getting federal school safety report and the Stop School Violence Act. And so I, I do thank President Obama and President Trump for being supportive in that sense. But obviously, there's so much more to do. We, we've just accomplished such a little amount so far, and there is so much to do. And uh, as a state senator, it's going to be one of my biggest focuses.
0: Would you say that issue of politicians not working together is the main reason things haven't got done? Or do you think there's other issues in America that need to be addressed and that you would like to address if elected to, again, not just get things done on gun violence, but get things done on policies that are beneficial to constituents in general?
1: Yeah, I'm, of course, tired of this petty fight between Republicans and Democrats. And I think the American people are, too. Really, when you go to D.C., that's where you see people fighting, you know, Republican, Democrat, just these horrible arguments. And then when you go to, you know, talk to people personally, it doesn't matter as much. We just want to see the country go in the right direction. And so in that sense, I'm ready to, you know, reach my arm across the aisle and hopefully they'll accept, you know, they'll accept me and we can work together. And as a state senator, I'm really excited to see if that's something our leaders want to do. Here in Connecticut, we've had it's not been productive as far as Republicans, Democrats trying to come together. We have a horrible debt crisis, our economy's suffering, and it's because in large part our politicians don't want to work together and they don't want to have, you know, the proper leadership that it takes to run a state. And so my hope here is that as a 19-year-old, if I can challenge, you know, a current a senator who's been in legislature for 10 years If I can actually mount a successful challenge on him, someone who hasn't, you know, been productive, hasn't acted the way a leader should, then I'm hoping it wakes up the other leaders in Connecticut and across the country. It's been a large movement so far. We've had millions of views on social media and I'm hoping I wake people up that, you know, anyone can come in and challenge our leaders if they're failing and our leaders in Connecticut are failing and I'm here to challenge them and I hope that I'm successful in that mission.
0: You obviously started this campaign because of the experience you'd had with your local representative and because of the issue of gun violence and how it touched your family. But there are other policies and issues that you care about. What are some of the other policies that you want to push for upon getting into government?
1: Sure. So here in Connecticut, like I said, we do have a a debt crisis. We have companies leaving the state uh, at a rapid rate. People leaving the state. Uh, our taxes are getting high, and now our governor wants to implement tolls. And this is—if you look at Connecticut politics, this is all it is right now: is tolls, tolls, tolls. Our governor wants to uh, put tolls on all of our major highways in order to gain revenue through that. That means, and it's something the Republicans have, you know, vehemently opposed, and the Democrats just want to get done. And all the all the while, you know, we haven't. Come up with a solution, another way to raise money. And so that's something I really want to take a look at. Uh, because we, again, we have so many people leaving our state. I mean, when I, when I go around and, um, I talk to my constituents, the biggest thing they've talked about is, are these tolls. Cause I have people that commute, you know, an hour each day to Hartford, which is our, our major city in Connecticut, our, our capital. And if tolls go in, one of my neighbors was just telling me if tolls go in, I'm going to have to pay an extra, I think it was $75 a week commuting. And that's just not, it's not a feasible option. But as far as raising that money, that revenue, we do have to find a way to do it without, you know, causing all these businesses to leave our state. And it's something that even at 19 years old, I am reading up on, I'm studying, I have lots of legislators reaching out to me with their their ideas and their opinions on it, uh, you know, many of which have not been successful. And so I'm formulating my own opinions on this and I'm looking at different things we can do. And that's going to be a major issue that I hope to tackle in my first two years as a state senator. And, uh, yeah, so that's another major issue here in Connecticut.
0: On the issue of tolls, Governor Ned Lamont said that to promote and champion Connecticut to businesses who wish to locate or grow here, economic development is important. That's one of the reasons he suggested that tolls should be brought in from your understanding of real people in the state who would be affected by the decisions that are being made by the governor, the pain they would feel is actually greater than what the governor is trying to suggest the benefits would be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would I would suggest to the governor, and I, I think I'm going to be meeting with him next week, I would suggest that he come out to my little borough of Newtown and talk to my neighbor, who will have to pay $75 a week, he's putting two kids through college, uh, I would recommend he comes out and talks to him directly before, you know, he makes these big You know, rolling statements that it's going to be very productive. Um, but, but I do agree with him in the sense that we got to find the money somewhere. And as far as tolling and more, these, all these new taxes, it's not keeping the businesses here. I think that's evident by the fact that they're all leaving and all of our citizens are are looking to move. Uh, so many people are moving. You know, I look, I drive down my street. And everyone has a, a for sale sign out and not everyone but many people have a for sale sign out and it's it's very scary because it's a state that I've lived my entire life 19 years now and I want to do do well in my state I want it to do well I want to be here to to enjoy to reap the benefits of that but uh, it's not happening so far so that that's another major thing I'm going to look at as a state senator and it's time to to bring people across the aisle uh, all this fighting all it is right now is we're going to put in a toll no you're not. That, that's not productive. We need to find the money somewhere. We need to make our state you know, successful again. And that's something I'm going to look to uh, do and unite people and uh, conquer that issue.
0: You talk about how people are leaving Connecticut. The latest national movers study by United Van Lines showed that Connecticut had the third highest rate of people moving out in the nation. So you think that's due to the economic pressures that people are feeling in the state that aren't being addressed by the local representatives.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a combination of uh, all these new taxes and tolls that our governor wants to implement on top of all these big corporations leaving and taking their jobs with them. Those two things combined, it's driving people out of the state in swarms. And that's something we've got to turn around because as that happens, our economy just keeps going down and down and down. And so that's something I'm going to look at uh, turning around. And I think fresh new faces in uh, in state legislature are going to maybe keep some people here in, in hopes that I'll be able to accomplish something uh, to, to, you know, allow
0: them to live here very uh, fruitfully. You're a 19 year old political candidate. What do you say to those who would argue that you're too young to be an elected official, that you don't have the relevant experience? Sure.
1: So. When I was 12 years old after the shooting, it was about a week after, um, I was reached out to by orphaned Rwandan genocide survivors. Uh, these are kids that had lost their entire families in the 1994 genocide that killed over a million people. And, you know, I'm, I'm very depressed. You know, I'm 12 years old, just lost my brother, hadn't even gone back to school. And they reached out to me and their message was, you'll be happy again. You know, life gets better from here. You will, you know, you will get over this. And that's something we hadn't heard from anyone credible, you know, credible in the sense that they had lost their entire families, gone through tragedies, in, in some cases, on larger scale than we had. And so that gave me hope. And I wanted to reach back out to them and thank them for, for giving me that message of hope. And what I started doing was selling bracelets uh, in school. And I wanted to raise enough money to send Betty, the original Skyper, uh, to college for a year. And after a month, we were able to Skype back and tell her that she was going to be going to university for a year and then we had you know raised enough money to take care of her eight younger siblings that she was uh sole, respo- solely responsible for and from there the movement turned into a very national move or a very worldwide movement in fact uh we've had Tony Robbins came on and actually finished Betty's the remaining 3 years of her college we've sent Matthew to college for 4 years in Uganda we built fish ponds and poultry farms for former child soldiers and in america we helped the children of car crash victims um it's it's been an amazing movement we we've, we've done a lot of work raised and donated over $35,000 and this is something i started at 12 years old and now i'm 19 and i think i've i've taken you know lessons of leadership that i learned from that leading people raising money connecting people and i'm going to be able to use that as a state senator and uh, i'll do a pretty good job there if i if i could raise $35,000 at 12 years old I think as a state senator, a 19-year-old state senator, I'll be pretty successful.
0: It is rare to see someone so young run for office. In fact, sometimes youth engagement in politics generally is quite low. What would you say to other young people who might be concerned about standing up, fighting for the cause they believe in, running for office, or even just voting to get them to come out and make their voice heard?
1: Yeah, of course. I think you're seeing people in America start to wake up that they need to get involved in politics, that they're not happy the way their country is being led right now. And their state are being, their states are being led. And I think that, you know, me running right now and proving that, you know, an, an established person like Tony, who's been here for 10 years, can be challenged. You know, when our leadership is lacking, we can challenge them. We can go to the polls and challenge them. We can run and challenge them. We can volunteer for different politicians we believe in. And I think that that message is starting to spread. That's why it was such a national news story uh, when I announced that message is spreading, that if we're not happy with our leadership, we can challenge them. And uh, that's what I'm doing here. And I hope that everyone else who feels that their, lead- their leaders are lacking, no matter if they're Republican or Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm challenging my Republican leader because he's lacking in leadership. And so I hope that that message spreads and I hope people start to get more involved, and they are. And so I
0: hope that that, that uh, movement continues. Finally, where can people find out more about your campaign, find out about the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement and the work that you've been doing generally on this issue?
1: For sure. So I have a very great Twitter page where I get my message out. I have over 100,000 social media followers uh, at the JT Lewis. I also have a, a campaign website, jt4ct.org. You can check out Newtown Helps to Wanda, the work that that foundation still does to this day. Uh, at org. And then you can check, check out my mom's, um, program, which is, by the way, in all 50 states here in America, in 68 countries, and over a million kids. Uh, it's reaching over a million kids. You can check that out at the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement, um, dot com. And I, I encourage everyone to stay up to date with the campaign. We're, we're doing amazing stuff here. Really, we're opening people's eyes to, uh, young leadership and how productive it can be. And uh, the campaign is already doing really well, a week old, and we've we've reached millions of people. So I, I encourage everyone to keep up to date with that and, and uh watch me win and uh, watch what I do for Connecticut.
0: JT Lewis, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. That was JT Lewis, who's running for state senate in Connecticut. You can find out more about him on Twitter at the JT Lewis, his campaign at JT4CT.org and the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement at jesselewischooselove.org. That's all for this week. What did you think about that interview? Let me know on Twitter at Edward T. Hardy. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.